Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 252. Today, we're continuing to talk about deacons, servants in the church that are used to administer and help and administrate and serve to make sure that there is assistance for those who have been overwhelmed, those who need help, those who have no one to care for them, those that will help keep harmony and unity within the body of Christ. That's what they did in the New Testament, in the early church, and that's what needs to be done today. Now, we can talk about all the different things that we need to in the next podcast, but what I want to talk about today is how did we get to where we are today, where you had two offices that Paul talked to Timothy about with qualifications, the role of the overseer, the presbyteros, the poimano, that is the ones who would oversee and lead and shepherd the flock, and the deacons who would grant assistance and would help and assist and administrate to the needy the funds that needed to be had to keep unity and harmony within the fellowship. How did we get from that to deacons becoming a corporate board and ruling and making decisions over the elders in the church, or in the case of most evangelicals, the elder in the church? How did this happen? Well, there's a lot of theories and a lot of hypotheses as to how that happens. Let me give you one, and this is just Tony. This is just based on what I have researched coming from where I have come from, being part of a culture of Appalachia, which represents a lot of what happens in churches in the southern United States, and especially in the Southern Baptist Convention and in other evangelical organizations uh, that have the same style of government. And uh, let me just share with you, I think, how we got into this mess. And it is a mess. We have deacons and uh, elders not fulfilling their role. Their roles are in chaos and confusion. And listen, anytime you get the roles out of order and you don't have a spirit of love and an atmosphere of unconditional agape love, then you're going to have chaos. It's the same in the home. When the roles are reversed or the roles are not honored and a man is not a loving leader, a kind and gracious leader, then you have rebellion and spite and uh, irreverence from the wife. Same thing is true, vice versa, on and on. And it happens in the church. But how did we get into the place where deacons are in leadership within the body of many evangelical churches and literally call themselves a board with chairman like it's some corporate body instead of an organized body of Christ, well, I have my own feelings about it, and I don't just do this willy-nilly, off the cuff, off shooting from the hip. I've put days, weeks, months, years of research into this, culturally and biblically. So let me give you my thoughts on how we got in the mess that we're in, and you just 
take it. And as one man I used to know would say, just put this in the pipe and smoke it. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. It's just an analogy and just a way to help you to understand. Just chew it and digest it if you like that better. But here's what I think happened. You see, in the part of the country that I live in, which is one of the oldest parts of the country along the eastern seaboard, the area of western North Carolina, the area of southwest Virginia, the area of southeastern Kentucky, eastern Tennessee from the Cumberlands East to the Smokies, north Georgia, to some degree northern Alabama, that is the northeastern part of Alabama, you have something of the same culture. As a matter of fact, those of you who know early uh, colonial history, you know that this area that I just named, this Appalachian part of those states, was uh, once fought for as to be named as a state and a colony, the colony or the state of Franklin. But it never was able to be passed. And But what I'm telling you is the reason I'm telling you this is because the people in those areas, for instance, in western North Carolina, have a whole lot more in common with the people of eastern Tennessee than they do the people of the Piedmont or the Outer Banks. The same thing, people in East Tennessee have far more in common with the mountain people of North Carolina than they do the people in the Mississippi Delta of Memphis, who have more in common with the people of eastern Arkansas than they do of eastern Tennessee. And so all to say, really, uh, traditions grew up in these areas and all over the South. Part of that had to do with the churches. Now, Methodists that are listening will be familiar with what I talk about. You see, uh, I've preached on the Methodist circuit early in my preaching uh, life. I had a friend who was a Methodist preacher. He got sick. He said, Tony, would you fill in for me? I have three churches. And he named the churches. I knew them. They were in the county, all of them that I grew up in. I would preach at one at nine o'clock, preach another one at 10 o'clock. And then the evening I would go preach at another one and would rotate those. And according to size, and after the two weeks, of that, I found out where God called most of the Methodist preachers from, and that would be the NASCAR circuit, because you have to be a NASCAR driver on those curvy roads to get there in time if you preached over 10 or 15 minutes. And that may have been by design uh, put together by someone in an office somewhere. But what I'm telling you is that pastor would sometimes have two, three, even four churches. And sometimes in the early days, they were circuit riders. And they'd ride a horse. They had different ways of uh, dividing up their time with churches, but sometimes they'd go the first and second Sunday in an area, and if it was a long way off, they would go, and to make it worth their while, they would stay two weeks. They would stay the third and fourth, or the third, fourth, and fifth Sunday, or they would divide it up that way. In other words, they weren't there a lot of the time, just half the time. So sometimes those were called half-time churches, not part-time, because while they were there, they were there full-time, but they were just there half the time. And so while the pastor was there, he was just there a short time, so he had to visit everybody that he could, especially those who were ill or sick in some way or another. They would go, the pastor would always go see them, take care of them, see if they have a need. He would bury the people. He would marry the people that need to be married. He would do what needed to be done while he was there. And then when he left, then the deacons, and usually one or two deacons, would pretty much run everything. They would make sure that everything was done while the pastor was gone. And so what happened was, 
in the course of time, the role of the pastor became really what the role of the deacon should be, taking care of the folks, making sure they had assistance, making sure they were doing what needed to be done. And the role of the deacon became the role of the pastor. Why? Because that pastor was there just half the time. And who was there the rest of the time? Opening, closing, taking care of things, preaching, teaching. Why? It was the man who was there. He was with them more than that pastor. So he became the pastor. In effect, he was the leader. It's often said in uh, rural communities to this day and sometimes in urban settings and larger churches, well, that pastor will come and go, but I'm a deacon. I'll be here when he's, I was here when he came. I'll be here when he goes. And if he messes with us, we'll make sure that he does go. And so this has just been the way that we have done things now for 150, 200 years, and it's hard to break old habits. That's the cultural side of it. And there's a lot more to it. I'm just giving you some fodder for thought right now uh, because this has actually happened. I've read a lot of older minutes. I've pastored a church that's over 200 years old. I can tell you that this is uh, the older the church, the more likely this is to happen. And so there is a cultural aspect as to why the deacons are in leadership and the pastor is not, the elder is not, or the elders are not. We got in this mess through culture. Well, the other way is another C. It's the corporate mentality. You see, most churches are designed more after corporate America and the Industrial Revolution than they are the New Testament. So you have a pastor who works for a board of deacons, and that deacon board, as it's called, or body, if someone's trying to modify, is like a policy-making body, and they make the policy, and they hire this guy to come in next execute those policies. So he's like a CEO, but he doesn't make the policies. He just executes those. And if he doesn't execute them, the board can let him go. They control his salary. They do everything uh, like that. He gets out of line. They bring him into discipline. And so this is the way the, the cow ate the cabbage. This is the way it happens. Now, where is that set up like? Well, it's like a university, like a board of trustees. They hire the pastor. They fire the pastor. They tell the pastor what to do. And depending upon how much micromanaging they do. They are, in effect, the pastors of the church, and he's there to preach and to make sure that he cares for people and visits people and takes care of the sick and ministers to their needs. This is why in many rural churches and in some larger churches still in the South and around the country today, the success of a man uh, and in ministry is measured not by the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and leading out in prayer and discipleship. No, it is measured by how often he visits the hospital. Does he visit the sick? Does he take care of people? Do they know they can call him 24-7 and he'll be Johnny on the spot? This is the way a man's ministry is measured. That's as foreign from the New Testament as anything I know of. It's just the complete opposite of the way that God designed the New Testament church to work. And sometimes when I share this with people, they'll come back and say, well, our church has done pretty well. Well, has it? 
Or is it the same size or less than it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago? I've had the opportunity over the years by God's grace and God's mercy and goodness, and not because I deserve anything, but I've talked with larger churches. And one of the reasons that I have not gone to them, even when they asked me to come and wanted me to come, was because I didn't want to go maintain a church that had been uh, running 1,000 or 1,500 or 2,000 for the 10 years before I got there or the 20 years before I got there. And if the people that are there have anything to do with it, that's the size they'll be 20 years from then. Why? Because they're comfortable. They don't like change. They don't want anybody to come and mess up their playhouse. This happens all the time, not just in the churches, but in politics and states and in nations. We've looked at that recently when the status quo was challenged by an outsider named Donald Trump. Now, some of you don't like for me to say that, but honestly, it doesn't matter because I'm not on here to please you. I'm on here to tell you the truth. And that's what happened. This is why they hated Donald Trump. Sure, he was rude, crude. He was abrupt and abrasive, all of those things. But he had good policies. But what he did is he messed up Washington's playhouse. He messed up the elite's playpen. And because of that, they want him out of there. Well, the same thing happens in churches. And those who are in control want to stay in control. And the name of the game is control. If you don't mess up, well, they can arrange a mess up. And if you mess up, they'll hold that as a rock in a pocket. And when it's time, whether that's one year, five years, or ten years later when they need it, they'll pull that stone out to make sure they make the kill at the proper time. Now, lest you think I'm just overdoing it, I'm not. Lest you think I'm bitter and unforgiving, I'm not. What I'm saying to you is this happens every week somewhere in America in evangelical churches. It's the way of life. And why do we try to hide this? Why don't we just come out and admit this is what's going on? And one of the reasons is, is because we're all fouled up in our organization. Let's get back to a biblical organization and see if God won't do something with us. Let's let elders, not one elder, unless it's a very small church, and then there needs to be help from somewhere and someone because no man is a king except the Lord Jesus. He needs help, anyone does, leading a church. I will never be associated with a church again where I am the one that makes most of the decisions. I'm just not going to do it because it's unhealthy. There needs to be a plurality of elders if it's a church of any size at all. Right now, I'm helping a church that has 200 to 210 to 225 on a Sunday morning, most Sunday mornings after COVID. And we're just now starting and starting to grow, but we have elders, a plurality of elders, and they are in charge of various aspects of leadership of the church. And what a blessing it is. We hold one another accountable. And it's not, even though I'm considered the lead pastor, the lead elder, the lead overseer, I don't make all the decisions. We make those decisions together and we pray and make sure that we're in harmony with one another. And if we disagree, that's okay. We still have to move on. And so we do that. And and everybody's treated alike. In other words, it's not just that the pastor can be removed 
removed by the other elders, but any elder can be removed by the other elders. It's not just one man. It's all of us, and deacons have a particular role, and that's what we're dealing with. But the roles are reversed in the average church, and let me just tell you, deacons do not need to be running the church. They just do not. They do not need to be leading the church. They are leaders in their area, but elders need to be leading the church. That's what they're ordained to do. That's the God-given task and assignment, and they need to do it. And churches are continuing to know this and say, well, we know that's what the Bible says, but we've done it this way, and it'll make somebody uncomfortable, and somebody's going to have to uh, rotate off and not be in leadership anymore. And Well, that's the problem. Let me just tell you and end with this. If we're going to follow God and be totally devoted to his word, we better get, listen, we better get comfortable with being uncomfortable. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.